0: And today, we're in the book of Hebrews, and the sermon title today is Growing Past Elementary School. Now, last week, I was off all week except for uh, Sunday where where I came and preached, and one of the things that I did is I went to a conference here in town. It's it's a cross-examined instructor's academy, and it was here at Calvary. And it's not a normal conference. You know, a lot of conferences you go to, like uh, the men's conference where we go to, we got like 2,000 people who are there, which is fantastic. It's encouraging to be uh, with other people of faith in doing that. This instructor's academy is a little bit different. There are only 60 people there. I'm one of 60 from all around the country who get to go to be a part of something like this. And it's an apologetics conference where people are learning how to share their faith more effectively to people around them. The... the People who go have to do presentations—a 12-minute, a 9-minute presentation based upon that. Ironically, the presentation that I did for this conference actually intersects very well with the passage of scripture we're going to be looking at today. So we're going to be going kind of going through that. You guys kind of interested in see what I did during the cross examine thing? I actually got compliments by Greg Kokel and Frank Turek, both on uh, the content of the stuff that was there, as well as Frank Turek was really impressed that our church was going through the Bible in five years. He's like, that's what every church ought to be doing. It's like, yeah, they should. I'm just saying. All right. So we're, we're on the front end of things right there, which is awesome. So let me show you real quick. Up at the top, top. Over. Ta-da! So I want to introduce you to Jared. Jared is the typical American Christian male living in the United States. He lives in the Nashville area. And he and his family are going to go see a concert of their favorite country music artist. And as they're driving into town... Jared runs across a number of these billboards as he's traveling into the center of Nashville to go watch this awesome concert. And the first one says this. Work for me. See, so this is what I was afraid of. I don't quite have the range. Can we get the next slide real quick? Here we go. I'll just have you do the next slide, all right? Here we go. It's okay to admit when the Bible is wrong. He drives a little bit further down. He sees a second billboard that says this God didn't write the Bible, people did. And as he gets about a half mile from his destination of the concert, he sees this billboard You are not going to hell. Well, Jared has been kind of a lifelong Christian in the Bible Belt, and he sees these posters that are up there and they tweak his imagination. And so he looks at the website where it says, God breathed book. And he decides later what he's going to do is he's going to go to that website and see what this is all about. So after the concert, they go back home that night and he finds himself on the internet and he finds these explanations for these verses of scripture that were up on the billboards. It's okay to admit when the Bible is wrong. And as a proof text, it uses 1 Corinthians 13, 12, where it says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And the explanation on the website says this. Well, because Paul is the one who wrote this, and he only knows partially and God is the one who knows fully, then the writings of Paul cannot be trusted, at least not fully trusted. This is really more Paul's meanderings about what he thinks about God. The second one he comes across says this. God didn't write the Bible. People did. And, of course, it references Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. And on the website, it goes on into talking about how Paul, just like many other people that we know from the scriptures, we know who wrote these letters and we know who wrote these gospels and we know who wrote the prophecy. And, therefore, what we're reading is not so much God about himself but rather people doing their best thinking about God and writing it down for us this leads to the third poster which was explained in this way you are not going to hell and the quotes John three seventeen. it says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him and it If you go on the website, it talks about how they don't really believe that there's a hell, but rather death is more the representative of what happens to everybody who's kind of apart from God. Now, these things uh, really messed with Jared, and he began to follow some of the other teachings that this site pointed him to. And two years after he started visiting this site, Jared renounced his faith in Jesus Christ. What happened to Jared is a term that you guys might have heard a little bit more about in today's culture. It's the word deconstruction. Deconstruction, as defined by the American Psychiatric Association, says this. It's a form of critical analysis of literary texts and philosophical positions that is based on the twin assumptions that there can be no firm reference for language and no adequate grounding for truth claims. A deconstructive reading of a text will generally use traditional analytical methods to expose the innumerable ways in which the text subverts its own claims to meaning and coherence. All I can think of is Pirates of the Caribbean and Barbossa. What he's confronted is a lot of fancy words there, nothing but humble pirates. Yes. What this means is basically saying this deconstruction focuses on literary texts and philosophical assumptions based upon two things. Number one is this that words are not very Well defined. They can, we can make them mean whatever we want them to. And there is no overarching truth. Those two things show us that we can make any text that we want unstable. And so when deconstruction turns its sights on the Christian faith, deconstruction's target is the inerrancy of scripture. So what happens is, somebody like Jared runs across posters along the side of the road that question the inerrancy of God. That's what we're looking, the inerrancy of the scriptures. And what happens as a result of it is he begins to question. And you'll have people going through this questioning phase, and they'll say, I'm deconstructing my faith. If they say that, those are problematic words. Because those pro- what, it's, what they're doing is they're trying to tear down the text to try and find out what's true within the Bible. And the problem with this little game of deconstruction is you'll get this idea of theological drift. In other words, deconstruction always leads to a further challenging of the text. Because you might say, well, you know what? Well, the Bible's not 100% accurate as it's originally given, which is the definition for inerrancy. But really... Maybe it's just ninety-five percent, you know. All those, many of those super miracle passages—maybe they were just descriptions or allegories or something else. But the problem is, once you let that foot in, how do you know that it's not ninety-two percent? How do you know it's not eighty-three percent, seventy-one percent, sixty-five percent accurate? And before you know it, you have undercutted undercut the entirety of the scripture based upon this idea of deconstruction. There's another problem that's happening. And the second problem is this. There are so many Christians that are susceptible to deconstruction because only 2% of the current population of the United States has a biblical worldview. And even if you account for the best of us, That number is between 10 and 20%, depending upon the study that you're looking at. That means in a room like this, where we have 100 people here, 80 to 90 of you, if you're representative of the average Christian person, do not have a Christian worldview. Think about that for just a moment. Those of you that profess Jesus Christ... So what's happening? When you bring these two things together, when you have this idea of deconstruction that's happening in our culture, along with the biblical illiteracy that's happening, the next thing we see is this. These two factors, deconstruction's target, and the biblical illiteracy of most professing Christians provide the perfect environment for a massive falling away from faith. Have you noticed... Have you noticed all the people who used to profess belief in Jesus Christ and how many of them seem to be falling away? These people that we thought were solid in their faith in Jesus Christ and they just stepped away from their faith. It's really, really crazy. And here's the problem with all of that. It's easily fixed. See... Things could have been different for Jared. If Jared had a robust knowledge of the Word of God when he came upon these posters, maybe like many of you who are looking out there and saw these posters, like, what? What does that say? And he runs across the first poster that says this It's okay to admit when the Bible's wrong, but he knows the fuller context. He knows 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 9 through 12, and it says, For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when for perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And he would know that the love chapter, which this is what the love chapter is, chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians, is sandwiched between 12 and 14, which is talking about the Holy Spirit giving the gifts to the church as he sees fit and administering it in an orderly manner. Not because the Spirit doesn't know what's going on, but the people know in part, but the Spirit knows fully. And even if you know in part, here's the thing, that doesn't mean you're wrong. Knowing in part doesn't mean you're admitting error. Second one, God didn't write the Bible, people did. And of course, we saw that verse in Romans, but if somebody knew the Bible well enough, they would also know 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 20 through 21, where it says this, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And so we see this this melding, if you will, the Holy Spirit using men to write His Word perfectly. Even if they didn't know everything that they were writing down. And somebody who knows the Scripture really well would look at that and say, wait a second, the Scripture already talks about this. I don't have to worry about whether this is written by men. Yes, it's written by men, and it's written by God. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Or the third one. You are not going to hell. Of course, it uses John 3.16 and 3.17, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Too bad they didn't read the next verse. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Or Jesus' I believe most definitive teaching on hell, which he's talking about the end of the age in Matthew chapter 25, where he talks about the sheep and the goats and how the goats are separated from the sheep. And we look at this passage of scripture and it ends like this. In verse 41 he says, and he will say to those on his left, these are the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And we can see hell is real. It wasn't prepared for us. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But these are where the disobedient go. And then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And so we see having a robust understanding of the Word of God won't answer every question. I'm not going to pretend that it will. But it will give the common Christian answers so they're not easily shaken by the billboards and the internet memes of the day and so what should we do as a church biblical literacy is the cure for many deconstructionist arguments we need to know the word of god robustly the the funny thing is this intersects very well with where we're at today concerning our passage of scripture This past week, we read the end of chapter 4 all the way through chapter 8. How many of you read this week? Raise your hand. Sweet. That's awesome. Got to see a lot in Hebrews. And it's really interesting because as we're looking in Hebrews, most of this entirety of the section is looking at the comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek in the Old Testament. We see so many of those comparisons. As a matter of fact, it's the majority of what you see in this entire section of Scripture this, that we read this last week. It talks about Jesus as our high priest, and he's in the order of Melchizedek, and this is how he fulfills the, the prophecy in the Scripture. But in the middle of that section, there's about a chapter's worth of admonition to the Hebrew believers in Jesus Christ. And it starts in chapter 5 and verse 11. We're going to read it in its entirety because the title of the sermon is called Graduating Past Elementary School. And you're going to understand why in just a moment. Hebrews chapter 5, starting in verse 11, we're going to read all the way through chapter 6 and verse 12. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave The elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have Tasted the goodness of the word of God. I lost my place. And the powers of the coming age. If they fall away to be brought back to repentance because of their loss. They are crucifying the son of God all over again. And subjecting him to public disgrace. The land that drinks in the rain often falling on it. And that produces a crop useful to those whom it has farmed. Receives the blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless. And is in danger of being cursed. In the end it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you've shown him as you've helped his people and continue to help him. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. You know, when I went to college, I went to college for one reason, because I knew that I was called to be a pastor, specifically at the time, pastor over youth, and I had no idea how to do it. I felt like I needed to be equipped, and I'd, I'd go to college. And so you go to college, and, and there's something about the funniness of college. They, they give you all these fancy names for the classes that you take and stuff like that. So it just sounds so important, doesn't it? So those of you who have been to college, you know what I'm talking about. So here's, here's some, here would be kind of a list of, of classes that I might take my first semester in college, okay? Okay. Those of you who are in some sort of schooling, Dathan, you know, so see if this kind of rings true with what you hear, okay? Foundations of the Gospel. Evangelism 101. The Sacraments of the Church. Marriage, Baptism, and Communion. The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Eschatology. The Study of the End Times. Survey of the Old and New Testament. That would usually be like a year-long or two-semester, three-semester course. Would you agree that's kind of like, these are college-sounding classes, right? You know, I'd be like, yeah. Some of you are like, I'd like to take that class, right? Here's what I want you guys to understand. All that is, is Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 rehashed. Think about it. I'm going to read that list again. From Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, let us leave elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the foundation of repentance of acts that lead to death. Uh, That would be foundations of the gospel. That would be evangelism 101. And of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, eschatology, that's what that is. And God permitting, we'll do so. Going on a little bit further down, it talks about those who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of this coming age. This is, guess what? Your survey of the Old and New Testaments. And here's the thing, the writer of Hebrews says these are elementary things. These are things that you and I should know as believers in Christ. It's why he gets on to them in the middle of all this, because he's trying to talk about Jesus being high priest in the order of Melchizedek, but they are slow to learn, and they're not going to catch everything that he's saying, because he's teaching at a higher than elementary level. He says, I have much more to say about this, but it's hard, because you guys are slow to learn these things. And he's getting on to them. And it doesn't matter. And here's the funny thing. There was an interview I heard with a college professor who said, We spend at a Christian seminary the first year and a half to two years building up the foundations of faith that their students who are called to ministry have never gotten in their churches. In other words, they come there being feeling like I'm called for ministry, but they're not equipped for even the elementary teaching. So they spend your first year, your first two years in there building all of these foundations, these elementary teachings. That's what you're going to find at every Bible college. Go look at the curriculum. I came from a Bible college. I know what's there. They can't teach those deeper truths right away. You know why? Because the people who are coming in from all of these other churches, they're not robustly, they don't have a robust understanding of the Word of God. They have to be taught that walking into these schools. They haven't gone through the Word of God once. And sadly, many of them, even after they graduate college, that are going off to our different churches still haven't read through the Word of God because they've taken survey courses that summarize it for them so they don't have to read. And we wonder why the biblical illiteracy among our people has fallen to such shoddy levels. We wonder why we stand defenseless against the easy attacks of the day Those billboards and those memes that I know all of you see online every single day. Let me tell you something. As a believer in Jesus Christ who loves Jesus with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength, the stuff you're struggling with is not hard. It's not. I'm sorry. It's just not. Problem of evil. When I became a Christian, when I became a believer in Jesus Christ, one of the things that immediately made sense to me was the world around me. It's like, that's why it is. Thank you, Jesus. It made so much sense. Now, I'm not saying that it's philosophically easy, I'm saying it's biblically easy. I get the philosophical, I get the emotional. I get what happens when these things hit in real life. I understand. Please don't mistake what I am saying. When I say these things aren't hard, that doesn't mean that they are easy to deal with. But let's not give ourselves too much credit that what the world has to offer against our belief and faith in Jesus Christ is that much substance. If it's not. And the things that you guys are fighting against, shoot. Shoot. Give me five minutes. Not even joking. Give me your best meme. Give me your biggest complaint. I don't care. I've read the Bible enough. It don't bother me. Because I'm more confident in His word than I am the world's. But I know His word to you. Because if you don't, you're just playing in elementary school. That's what it's talking about. You want to be able to, to defend against the arrows that's going to be darting at you whether you're looking at the internet or whether you're going to work and your friend is trying to create doubt in your mind what are they trying to do? Deconstruct your faith how are they going to do that? by attacking the inerrancy of scripture how are they going to do that? by you not knowing your word of God that's it because if you know it these things are easy why is there evil in the world? Adam and Eve ate the fruit They'd be all stupid. And they pass that stupid to me. My goodness, and it's passed to you too. We'd be all stupid. Thank God for Jesus, who died on the cross for you and me to take care of this problem. Yeah, but what about all the evil? Why do bad things happen to good people? Because All the way back in Genesis. Yeah, but it's evil. It's bad here. How can you explain this? Because you're looking from a naturalistic perspective. You're thinking this world is all that there is. I don't. Jesus said, i got a place for you. It ain't here. In my Father's house, there are many rooms, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will take you to be where I was, where I'm going to be, so that where I am, you will be also. And we will be there together, forever, together. And you know who he told that to? Disciples. What happened to the disciples? They died in grotesque, terrible, awful, awful ways. You know what gave them hope? This isn't my home. How could terrible things happen? God, why could James, why did James have to die before Peter? This is not his home. They were told that. Get ready for persecution. It's going to happen. And when it did happen, they were like, oh, I can't believe this happened. No. They were told because God told them the truth. And they passed that down to you and me through the Holy Spirit. Read all of Peter's writings. It's all about persecution. This is what's going to happen to you. Why does this surprise you and me? It shouldn't. And yet we're caught off guard. You know why? Because we don't know the word and we don't want to admit that. We're experts about everything else but the word of God that glorifies Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Who died on the cross for our sin. Oh, come on. The world is worried about what makes a male and female. You and I are like... Genesis 1 and 2? What the heck? I found it in the first pages of the Bible. We're done with that, right? We can just move on, right? See, it shouldn't be hard if you and I have the confidence that this is the Word of God. It reveals who Jesus is. It's why the... Hebrew believers were being scolded by the writer of Hebrews by saying, look, we want to tell you about even deeper things of this, but it's hard because the elementary understandings you don't get. Don't get me wrong. Elementary understandings are good. We all should have it. But we need to recognize they're elementary. They are simple. And if those seem complex to you, that list that was given out I want to tell you something you need to grow up in your faith because the whole reason the writer of Hebrews is talking about this is he's worried about their salvation I don't care if you're Arminian or Calvinist on this issue Because the passage of Scripture is pretty clear. He talks as they can fall away from faith, but he tells them, but I'm assured; I feel confident of things concerning salvation for you. God's not going to forget what's happened. So this isn't really a passage we can talk about falling away in a a definitive sense. And in the end, the Arminian Calvinist argument doesn't matter all that much. You know why? Because I want people to stand firm to the end. And whether you're a Calvinist or Arminian, that's how you know you're saved. And that's what he wants. So let's look at the end of this section of Scripture as he's getting on to them. Verse 11, just so that you understand, he's talking about the perseverance that he wants them to hold on to. And he says this, We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end. In order to make your hope sure, there's your perseverance of the saints right there. We want you to be diligent, knowing these things, pursuing these things, with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, to the very end, so that you can have that hope. And then verse 12, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those whose faith and patience inherit what has been promised. He's calling him out. We don't want you to be lazy. There's some of you who've been Christians for 15 years never read through the Word of God. You're lazy. I'm sorry because you say you love Jesus and you don't know enough about him. There's some of you who have grown up in the church and never been through the Word of God before. You're lazy. I'm sorry. It's just the truth. Because you say you love Jesus, but you don't know that much about Him. That's why billboards like that are attacking the normal Christian and causing so many to fall away from faith, even though the answers are simple and easy concerning the Word of God, if you know it. Our illiteracy concerning the Word of God is our undoing. That's why we're focused so much in this church on five years going through the Word together. But you can do it quicker than that. We don't read that much on a daily or weekly basis. I could have read our entire section of Scripture in 15 minutes this week. And God deserves a whole lot more of my time and devotion than 15 minutes. Don't you guys agree? He's supposed to have everything. But if I spent that much time, I would know his word so much better than I do. We can quote so many stupid things. If you're a sports fan, I'm a sports fan. You guys know that. I'm wearing my Clemson gear today. can name you lots of things about Clemson. I would be very bad as a pastor if I couldn't name as many things about God's word. You and I have got to get over our illiteracy because there's a world that needs to know Jesus and they're only going to learn from us because we're called to do what? What are we called to do, peeps? We're supposed to make disciples. Go, therefore, make disciples. Actually, the whole quote says this. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. First of all, that should be incredibly empowering for every single one of you. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, to Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what? Teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. How are you going to teach them if you don't know it yourself? We need meat because we need to be acquainted with the teaching on righteousness by constant use. That's according to the passage at the end of chapter 5. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing. Constant use means every day. Every day I'm in the Word. Every day I'm growing. Every day I'm understanding the Word of God better and better. You know why? Because there's a lost and dying world that needs to know Jesus and I am one of His ambassadors. And so are you. And it doesn't do any good if a billboard like that is going to throw you all into disarray. Or an internet meme. Man, we should be able to recognize false teaching so easily because we know the truth. But we're falling for it right and left and left and right and right and left. I've watched so many people fall away from the faith over the years. And all the argumentation, that we just say, is stupid. It's dumb. It doesn't hold water. And it's because they didn't have a biblical worldview or they just loved their sin and they didn't want to repent. It's one of those two things. Every single time. Sometimes a combination of both. So what are the issues hounding you today? The issues of this world are not hard. We're surrounded with it, but they're not hard. The LGBT thing, it's not a hard issue. Not if you know your Bible, it's not hard at all. Are you convinced that the Bible's true? That's a different story, isn't it? I am. But if I'm convinced that it's true, then those temptations that are out there, while they may affect me emotionally, don't touch my mind in the idea that I know what God's will is, right? I know what His Word says. I know that that's a lie. I know that walking in it is a lie. I know that nothing good would come from it. Adam and Eve ate the fruit and I know I'm stupid at times. I inherited that stupidity and that propensity towards sin but I don't have to walk in it because I have a redeemer who's overcome the world. Some of us have been sitting on the sidelines for way too long. Some of us ought to be teachers but our fearfulness of growing has prevented us from stepping into that teaching role. We've read the Word of God, but we want to leave it to the experts. Guys, you are the experts. The commission is for you. We are called to make disciples get out there and start doing it. Is it easy? No. But is it simple? Yeah. And you're capable of doing. You know why? Because all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Him. All authority. Are you going to walk in his power or your own? I choose his. So everybody close your eyes for just a moment. How many of you? have never read through the entirety of the Word of God? You've been a Christian five or more years. Don't have to raise your hand. This is between you and God. I'm just asking this question. You need to grow up in your faith. You need to start taking His Word seriously. How many of you, having read through the Word of God, Have never taken the opportunity, either one on one or in a classroom type of setting, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with other people. You guys need to grow up and start doing that. God is asking you to step into that. How many of you, as parents, are walking your kids through the Word of God? The entirety not parts of it, not a survey, all of it, that they might know the Word of God and know Jesus Christ for whom the Scriptures are about and have a firm foundation of faith. How many of you parents are doing that? By the way, we have resources for you if you don't know where to begin. We need to start growing up because the world doesn't care about our elementary faith. And it's going to take a Christian who's more robust in their understanding of the Word of God to be able to stand against the arguments of this world and be able to see them for what they are. Simplistic attacks for people who know the Word of God. I truly do pray that for each one of you. Would you stand? Our elders are going to be up front. This time is for you. Some of you need a chance to recommit your life before Jesus and say, I'm going to start taking you seriously. I'm going to start reading the word. I'm going to start really knowing my faith. I'm going to teach it to my kids. I'm going to tell it to somebody else. I'm going to take that next step and stop staying in elementary school. I'm going to grow beyond it. If that's you today, we invite you. Our elders are going to be up front. We just want to pray with you. We want to keep you accountable. That's it. We need to be held accountable too. We need to be growing. We need to be in the Word. We need to be setting the example. If that's you, we want you to come forward. If you have other prayer needs, we want you to come forward as well. But today, that's the call. If that's where you need to be, there's no shame in coming forward and saying, I'm ready to graduate. No shame. Just make sure that you follow through. We're going to be right there with you. Every step of the way, encouraging along the way. You know why? Because we don't want those things, those simple billboards, to trip you up in your faith. God, thank you so much for our time together today. That you would help us in the name of Jesus to know your word and to know it well. The world is attacking on a daily basis we see it on our internet feeds we see it in our shows we see it uh, on our billboards that are outside these places those were real billboards Lord that were put up on I-65 and they're shaking the faith of people Lord because they don't know you and God I want to be a person who says I know you Mm -hmm. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that we would commit our lives to following Christ with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength, and that would be known by knowing your scriptures, O Lord. Knowing that they're 100% from you. Knowing that we can trust it more than we trust this world. Knowing that they lead us to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. God, I pray in the name of Jesus any of this day who are ready for that next step would take it boldly and that we would become the robust, mature disciples of Christ you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.